Spirit, one God. Amen. Today's the third Sunday of CAC. Um, as you know, there's four Sundays of CAC, and today's the greeting of St. Mary and St. Elizabeth. Um, and today's also the day when much of the world celebrates Christmas, um, which is why uh, there's so few people here. <laughs> so Merry Christmas to the rest of the world. Uh, and I know that there's some kids here uh, who are eager to open presents uh, and get home, so I will try to go as quickly as possible. Uh, I am very impressed of the kids that are here. Um, I'm impressed with the kids that are here and the patience you are showing. I'm sure your parents will give you extra special gifts for being so patient. <laughs> All right, parents, don't mess it up. Okay. Um, all right, so I want to focus on, on one aspect. So this is when St. Mary greets St. Elizabeth. And as you can tell from the encounter, it was somewhat miraculous. The babe, St. John the Baptist, leaped in Elizabeth's womb. Um, but I want to focus on, those are really cool icons, by the way. I want to focus on this part, which is the, the song of Mary. And I want to focus on this, the last part of what she said. He has scattered the proud let me read it from this translation. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones, exalted the lonely, filled the hungry with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. And so I want to focus on this, this, this part, just this part. Um, and what, is, what does all this mean? It's clear that the, the Theotokos touched by God's grace um, had some divine thoughts and some divine inspiration as to what was about to happen. And she kind of called it, um, because what you see in what she said, okay, it's cold. What you see in what she said is kind of revolutionary, right? Scattered the proud, put down the mighty from their thrones, exalt the lonely, filled the hungry with good things, the rich sent away empty. And so it's almost as if she predicted that Christ would flip everything upside down that what was at the bottom is going to be at the top, and what was at the top was going to be at the bottom. She proclaimed a coming revolution, and Christ did exactly that. He came and he turned everything upside down, the way we thought about everything, including God. He turned it upside down. And in fact, if you, if you remember, what did they say about the apostles at one point in the book of Acts? They said, these are the people that turn the world upside down. That's what they said about the apostles. Like, these are them, the guys who have just flipped everything. And so the main thing I want to talk about, and I want to be brief because the parents have a lot of gifts to buy quickly before we get home, is the way power works. And what Christ did is he flipped the way power works. So in secular society, in a corporation, at a company, in the government, you have the, the top dog, right? The CEO, the president, whatever, right? And then they command everybody else, and they tell everyone what to do. And there's this chain of command that happens, right? And it could be in any, any organization, any company, any hospital, whatever, right? There's this, this chain of command, and that's, that's the way power works. You work your way up, and then you have power over others, and you subdue them with your power. And what Christ came to teach us is the opposite of that, right? Because Christ said something very interesting. He says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And so what he was proclaiming was a very different operational model. He wasn't, you know, um, 
uh, acknowledging this, this corporate model that we have now, and nor was he acknowledging the religious model at the time where the Pharisees were the top dogs, and within the Pharisees we had orders of different Pharisees, and someone like Nicodemus was like the chief Pharisee, and then that at certain points in time they would rotate who got to be the chief, chief Pharisee, and it was all about power. And every once in a while, this concept creeps into the church. I remember I was living in a different state once, and someone said to me, so tell me, Mark, uh, who has the power at that church? I'm like, huh? What do you mean? And they're like, you know, like, who, who runs the show? Who's, who's got the power there? Is it blah, blah, blah? Is it blah, blah, blah? And I just looked at him, and I'm like, you're ridiculous. This isn't about power. The church isn't about power. It's about service. There's no who gets to order anyone around. The church is about who serves their brethren the most, who loves the most, who sacrifices their own time, their own money, their own effort, excuse me, the most. That's what the church is about. It's not about who gets to call the shots. And every once in a while, this thought creeps into our heads. You know, the, the Pope is the CEO, and the, the bishop is the CEO, whatever, oh, and, and the priest is the president, and then the board is the Congress. And, you know, and we, we try and relate the church to some power structure that we've seen in our lives, but the church doesn't operate like that, right? In fact, the church goes out of its way a couple days a week to make this point very, very strongly. Right? Because Christ came and did something just ridiculous. Right? St. Ephraim, the Syrian, in one of his poems writes, All tongues shall cease, the Creator knelt and washed the feet of the creation. And I like how he starts it. All tongues shall cease, there's nothing left to say. The Creator knelt and washed the feet of his creation. Right? That's the... That's the Christianity we know. That's the Christ we know, right? And then the church, in its wisdom, just to make sure, lest any of us, any of the clergy, kind of get ahead of ourselves a little bit, it says, you know, if you're going to attend Holy Thursday services and you're going to be with the Pope, guess who gets to wash your feet? The Pope. So the church makes the highest rank in the church, whoever is sitting there, whoever is the highest person, makes him wash the feet of everyone else in the church at least once a year just so that they don't forget this is our power structure we don't have ceos and and people who who uh, report to us and who we command and order and tell them what to do christ didn't even do that with his apostles he filled them and he said go and just do right and he filled them with this concept of i came to serve and not be served and so we see this often, right? This parable from, from St. Luke, he says, Then Jesus noticed that some of the guests were choosing the best places to sit. And this sounds very familiar, doesn't it? So he told the story, When someone invites you to a wedding, don't sit in the most important seat. They may have invited someone more important than you. And if you are sitting in the most important seat, they will come to you and say, Give this man your seat. And then you'll have to move down to the last place and be embarrassed. So when someone invites you, go sit in the seat that is not important. Then they will come to you and say, friend, move up here to this better place. And what an honor this will be in front of, in front of all the other guests. Everyone who makes themselves important will be made humble. 
but everyone who makes themselves humble will be made important. This is the words of Christ. Don't come sit in the front. Don't come seek the best position of power. And every once in a while, this kind of thinking creeps into the church. We, we think, I want to get here. I want to get there. I want to sit there. I want this. I want this role. I want to command this group. I want to run this. I want to be in charge of that. What is that? It's our ego. And we see oftentimes that Christ, um, in, in the Old Testament, even symbolizes that this revolution was to take place, right? That I'm coming to pick the bottom guy, right? So when we think of all the kings of the Old Testament, the one king that stands out as the king of kings, as the one who really um, symbolizes Christ, is always whom? David. Right? David is always the king of kings, right? He's the one who is that symbol of Christ. And even in the story of how Samuel picked David, it's a very interesting story. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to them, the Lord has not chosen these. So Jesse, Samuel said, I'm going to pick one of your kids as a king. And so Jesse brought his most strong, handsome, oldest kids and said, surely one of these guys is going to be a king. Look at, look at them. Look at their broad shoulders and how strong they are and how smart they are. And as they passed by, Samuel just kept saying, no, not these guys. You got anyone else? So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? And he said, well, they're still the, son, the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Jesse didn't even consider David. Because he's just like the little one, and he tends the sheep, and he just, that's his job, right? The little guy who's kind of introverted and just kind of tends sheep. Samuel said, send for him. So he sent for him, and he brought him in. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So he picked the weakest one, the smallest one. And in fact, this exact same story is replicated in the story of St. Beshoy. I don't know if you guys know the story of St. Beshoy. But when he was, before, uh, before he was chosen, um, in his story, it says, this is, uh, in, in the Greek church, they called him Paisios, but we call him Bishoy, uh, the monk from the 5th century. Younger to six other brothers, he was weak and frail. So St. Bishoy was himself physically weak and frail. And after the death of her husband, his mother saw an angel in a vision saying to her, the Lord says to you, give me one of your children to serve me. She answered, Lord, take whomever you want. The angel took the hand of Paisius, or Bishoy, who was thin and his body was frail. And so his mother said, you know, you can take any one of my sons. She took Bishoy. And what does his mother say? The mother told the angel, um, my Lord, take one who is strong to serve the Lord, right? This one's my runt, right? This is the kid who barely made it out. Not, not him. This is whom the Lord has chosen, the angel replied. Right? And so we see this, like the... the God's really good at kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel, right? And flipping these, these, these tables. So I'll end with that so that we can end. Um, but the, the point I want to make is what St. Mary predicted was sort of a revolution in the way we think about power and structure in the church. The church isn't a place of power. It isn't a place of authority. It's a place of love. It's a place to serve and not be served. It's a place to give, it's a place to offer, it's a place to sacrifice, not a place of attention-seeking or power or whatever the case may be. And glory be to God forever. Amen.